podcast with James and Jane. Hey, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you all about the great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out our online seminar program, the workshops we run, as well as our coaching and all the other podcasts we've recorded. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now on to this episode. Hi, this is James. And Jane. And here we are again, back with another episode of the World of Work podcast. Episode 17. Episode 17. I was going to say sweet 17, but that's literally <laughs> not correct, correct, is it? It's, it's wrong 16. on all kinds of levels. Just 17. Just 17. Like okay, 19. yes, yes, yes. For those British uh, 40-somethings, you'll remember it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and 2019, we haven't recorded since 2018, have we? So It feels a long... I feel a little rusty. I'm wondering if people will notice yeah. when we talk. Because it's been like maybe six weeks. Yeah, I think it was recorded. six weeks. It was early December we did the last episode. So yeah, it's about coming up to six weeks now. Although we have been relatively busy since then, I would say. Yeah, so lots on. Um, but exciting times. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to chat about stand-up meetings and huddles today. But before we do that, we're just going to call out, this is actually the first time we've recorded an episode since we released Series 1. So we did that last week. We sent that out last Thursday. Um, so it's, well, I guess, eight, nine days ago now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of exciting. It's great to... How are you feeling? How am I feeling? I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with the results so far. I'm, I'm really pleased that... Um, people have listened. I'm I'm really pleased that some people have reached out on Twitter and engaged and retweeted and liked stuff. So uh, that's really good. Um, I, I find that uh, heartwarming, and um, I'm enjoying building relationships with people through the content that we've created and and sort of getting to know people a little bit in the real world as well as um. Oh, you're so this... positive and lovely. You make me feel bad now. <laughs> How so, are you feeling? Uh, well, I think it's probably fair to say that. Um, uh, when we started doing this, uh, and I, I've mentioned this, I, I I did it predominantly because I really enjoyed talking to you and I enjoyed what we talk about. And mm-hmm. I was also really curious to see if people, other people would be interested. Yeah. But I also was really aware that, uh, for those of you who don't know, when uh, you talk to people about podcasting, they say, you know, don't think about the fact anyone's going to listen to it. And they quote numbers at you, like only, you know, 20 people listen to the Apple podcast or whatever. So I had really taken that to heart. And when we talk, I don't think about what people are listening. Yeah. And so the idea that... And it's the people who are listening that have surprised me and freaked me out a bit. So, you know, I'm really conscious that my ex-bosses have listened to some of them. Yeah. And my brother has listened to one. And my partner's mother. And that's that's crazy to me. So yeah. it made me, it's made me a little bit self-conscious. So I'm just... I'm really interested to see if I, uh, it has any kind of impact. Yeah, we got so a we're both stage rusty, right rusty, yep, and yep. we com- might be self-conscious. Yeah. So it could be, it could be very interesting for yeah. that uh, stand-up meetings and huddles. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Let's see if we can remember the approach that we take to this stuff. Um, why don't you remind us? Why don't I remind? Why don't I remind us? Yeah, that, that, obviously, <laughs> seriously, remind so, us. So, uh, so Jane, so how do we do this? Um, anyway, so we're going to follow the same format that we followed in the past. We're going to start off with a definition discussion, sharing some definitions relevant to the subject. Then we'll go into a bit of a research roundup. We'll do a list of the week. We'll do stories from the keyboard. We'll do some final thoughts and top tips, and then we'll check out. Um, as Jane said, this week we're, we're talking about stand-up meetings and huddles. And these have different you know, different names, but essentially it's for getting together and you know, bringing your team together for um, a discussion, normally standing up at the start of the morning. Uh, so that's what we're going to focus on. In terms of our research roundup, we're going to do a few different things. 
we're going to talk about what kind of teams benefit from these types of meetings, the type of um, attendance that you should have, so who should go along, uh, what makes a good meeting, uh, a good stand-up meeting, how, if you're a leader or somebody in the team who wants to introduce this process and, and this sort of um, this way of working into your team, how do you go about doing that? Well, we'll share some tips on that. Um, we'll also say, if, if you're chairing one of these meetings, how can you do a good job of that? So hints and tips on that. And then lastly, in relation to the research roundup, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how to know when you're doing a good job. Right? You, like, what's the destination? How do you know when you've reached, uh, reached a good meeting? We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. And then the list is going to be today 10 common challenges that teams face when they're trying to run stand-up meetings. And obviously, the biggest challenge is actually doing them in the first place and sticking to it. Uh, but assuming you're doing that, you know, what are the challenges you'll face in the day-to-day? -day? Then a couple of stories, um, then a couple of final thoughts, and then that's us checking out. See, now I remember. Yeah, was that a good briefing for that you? That was really helpful. Yeah, Thank good, you. Good, I now good. feel like I remember what we do. <laughs> cool. Well, do you want to start us off with some definitions? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um, I think it's an interesting topic because, firstly, it's, it's relatively straightforward in terms of the... Uh, the language that's used is deliberately straightforward, right? That's yeah. the whole point that, uh, with this kind of work. Um, one I particularly liked is from Technopedia, and it's the definition of a stand-up meeting. And they say a stand-up meeting is a team meeting organised on a daily basis to present a status update to all of a team's development members. Now, that might not always be relevant to everyone, but it gives you a real sense of where this language and this idea has come from, which is that predominantly it's from some of the more technologically centric organizations yeah a lot, a lot of the stuff comes out of sort of agile development and software development and stuff like that doesn't it yeah absolutely um so uh, but i thought it was really helpful because i think it, it calls out some of the key characteristics absolutely such as it's daily which people quite often mess around with and quite often that leads to some of the challenges you talked about in terms of getting them to happen uh so huddle which, uh, for those of you who are listening in the sports world, will think of it as something quite different, mm -hmm. um, particularly huddles and scrums, which both tend to get used quite a lot yeah. uh, as terminology and specific sort of project methodologies um, in replacement for the word standard meetings. But they're all the same thing, right? They're all short, sharp, focused meetings. They take place daily. Um, and they often revolve around this idea of an information centre or board or a series of questions that uh, help people uh, frame what's happening. Um, quite often for those people who use Kanban yeah. in their project planning, which is a, a process where you have like what's waiting to be done, what's in process of being doing and what's done, yeah. um, they will focus around that kind of information board, but, but it's not required. Um, they can be used to get people focused on their objectives, to improve uh, communication, to understand where the risks are to quality delivery, look at progress, to share best practice, um, to recognise strong performance and identify gaps, problems, uh, overlaps, where things are going to sort of impact on people. They're really good at getting people to speak every day and they help build relationships when they're done well. And I, I'm going to caveat everything that we talk about today when they're done well because That's I have cool. seen them done badly. Yep. And they tend to do the opposite. They're like punishment um, if they're done badly, aren't they? One example that I think is really useful that you've shared on the slides is the Scrum approach, which is where uh, each ten mem team members uh, required to answer three questions. What did I do yesterday? What will I do today? And are there any impediments to continue working? Which really clearly expresses the need for it to happen every day, mm -hmm. irrespective of whether all the team are there or not. 
And it really clearly expresses how immediate it is. It is not about solving the big problems. Yeah. It is about identifying the immediacy of what we're going to, how do we move forward today? Yeah, greasing, greasing the wheels kind of, you know, keeping it all going. That's a great, do you know what? That's a really, really good metaphor because that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. about just keeping things turning. It's not about removing cogs. It's not about changing the system. It's just keeping going. Uh, another piece of terminology that's really useful is meeting chairs. So those of you who have sat on boards or any other meeting type will recognise the role of a chair. Um, the strict definition is the presiding officer of a meeting, organisation, committee or event. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because now I suddenly feel better about being chair. Um, <laughs> presiding officer. Presiding officer sounds so formal. It does, doesn't um, it? But also, I think it, we're calling it out predominantly because it's a really important part of the process to get the right person or persons yeah. or the right rotation of chairs. Yeah, yeah. Or the right um, skills and how to do it. Yeah. And then the other piece of terminology uh, is around information centres, which we've kind of alluded to, I've kind of alluded to already, which is a place where you can go and get information. Uh, you've referred to it as like an information dashboard. Yeah. Uh, the information around your yeah. basic daily check-in set of conversations. Quite often, for me, when I've used this process, it has been the index page of our current project overview. Okay. So it's, it's rather than having our own specific huddle-based format we would literally just go through all of our projects and one person would ask those answer those questions in, yeah. in relevance to them and whether anything indeed is happening at all around them yeah so that's some of the term, terminology that's relevant um i don't know if there's anything else that you would add to that no i think uh, i think it's just good to get a few of the basic terms out there you know make sure everyone's aware that you know the huddles are the short sharp focused 15 minute um daily stand-up meetings that everyone on the team comes to and you use it to grease the wheels right you want to make sure that People are in a good place, but everybody has a chance to raise raise an opinion, share a viewpoint, challenge how stuff's going, make sure that the day's going to turn out well, right? You, you should finish these things um, feeling fairly set on what you're going to do that day and feeling fairly good about doing it, I'd say. Um, I think yeah, I think, I think and also just getting the idea that, you know, whether we say scrum or huddle or stand-up meeting, people generally mean a very similar thing. Yeah. They might use it in different ways and different yeah. reasons, but but it, they mean the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll probably refer to huddles because that's a lot of language that I've used, but they're pretty much the same. I mean, you, you know, if you look at the definitions we shared online, they cross over a lot. For all intents and purposes, they've got the same underlying stuff that you do and the same outcome. Okay. So, what does what does the research tell us? What have you learned? What does the research tell that us that you didn't know already? Because I know you knew an awful lot about this. Stuff yeah, I knew a lot, Yeah, right? I, I knew a fair bit about this. So, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through a few things. It's it's a bit sort of a, a teachy episode, I guess, to some extent, because it's a bit of a practical subject. Yeah. So we're going to touch on what types of teams benefit from huddles. Um, we're going to reflect a little bit on what level in organisations they should take place in. Mm -hmm. So, where in the hierarchy? You know, are they at the very bottom, at the very top? I'm going to touch a bit on who should attend huddles. Mm -hmm. going to have a little look at what makes a good one. Uh, I'll spend a bit of time going through how you can introduce them into your teams. Um, then some messages for huddle chairs to make sure that they can do a good job. And then a little bit on, I guess, best practice and how do you know that you are doing it right? How are you making sure that you've got a good huddle? And that's, that's what we're going to cover in research. Okay. So hopefully that gives people a bit of an insight into what they are and how to do them. So the starting point, you know, who benefits from doing huddles? So what's your experience? Have you seen them in different places? Uh, so I have quite, as always, I've got views on huddles. Mm -hmm. um, 
I have found them to be incredibly effective and actually beyond effective necessary in certain environments. So when mm-hmm. I was working in event management, mm-hmm. when I was working in operations, uh, they are without doubt the most effective way of getting everyone on the same page quickly and understanding what the main challenges are that day and also motivating them because yeah. when you get a team that's working across a big site separately, you don't get the motivation of, of the of the sort of team leaders. Yeah coming together they're all very separate and when they've got challenges they feel quite isolated so um for me they're really effective i've also had the complete opposite in an office environment where despite multiple attempts and and willing by the team we just couldn't find the format that worked consistently enough for people to feel like they were valuable yeah and actually when you're only eight people in a team and you've got your own office you find you need them less okay so people might interrupt each other more but we just engage during the day it's not like heads down and earphones off so, bit of a mixed experience for me. What about you? So, my experience is that every team I've ever introduced them to, and I've probably either rolled them out or been part of a rollout to probably about 100 teams, mm-hmm. which is a fair number. And pretty much, I'd say, nine, well, I'd say 95% of the teams materially improved and benefited from them. And managed to stick to it. And managed to stick wow. to it, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. You know, a couple of teams reduced the frequency, yeah. So we say daily, a couple of teams ended up maybe doing two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'd include that within the five, but everybody carries on with them. Um, Where were you when we were trying to do it? Maybe, <laughs> well. maybe you're the one who made some stick. <laughs> That's right. Just bring a bit of fun. Um, so, so, so really, I think that everyone can. And, and I think a lot of teams think that, oh, yeah, this is a good idea for other people. But they don't really consider themselves in that framework. So I think um, okay. I think everyone can benefit. And, and your point there about it not really sticking, something I'll touch on later is the importance of getting roughly your agenda right, so your information center and having it structured and containing information that's useful for everybody. Um, and that's a really important um, sort of turning point to getting mm. them right, is getting the right conversation. But but I would say that everybody should do it. I'd say if you're anyone out there is listening, not sure, give it a go. You'll be surprised if you get it right how powerful it is in terms of um, improving performance, but also improving engagement. Um, so then point two, which is around what level they should be in an organization. And this is really a bit of a trick. Can you guess why? I'm, I'm going to bet, you, given that you're quite pro others, <laughs> I'm going to say you think everyone should do it. Everybody should do it. Everybody should do it. So, so this, I think it's true. I'd say to do it well, the size should be limited to no more than about 15 people per huddle, I would say, in, in okay. the context that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, but when we've done them to make them effective, what we actually say is that they should be done at pretty much all levels of an organization. But we actually say that they should be done in a layered or cascading way. Okay. So, so when we've rolled them out, we've said the most junior teams huddle at one time, right? So everybody huddles at around the same time in that part of an organization. And then what we say is whoever's chaired that or a representative from each one of those lower level huddles will go to the next level up in the organization's huddle. Yeah. And that will take place maybe you know, five or 10 minutes after the first layer started. So what you get then is you get a real time escalation of relevant information and issues and challenges to that next level, right? So they'll do that. Um, And then once they've had their 15 minutes, if there's a third level of the organization, one representative of that higher level would go to the next one, right? So so what you find there is that it's it's an excellent and quick way to move information up and down really quickly within your organization. Um, so that's what I'd say. I'd say nearly all levels of an organization should do it. Um, in terms of reality, um, we've seen that work well. We, we struggle a bit at some of the very high levels of organization. Um, 
But I'd say, you know, a couple of steps down from the very top of large organizations, it works really well up to that level. Wow. Um, I think I think it's really interesting because, um, and I haven't even thought about this, but what you've just outlined requires, uh, explain some of the challenges we had because we had quite flexible working. Sure. Which meant that consistently people weren't there. Yeah. And we also, people worked out of the office, yeah. other people's uh, office spaces or were at mm. meetings a lot. So one of the challenges for us was always that no one, we never had a full, we would never have a full uh, full number of people at huddles. And yeah. when, you're only, when you're only an organisation of six or seven, you lose two people and suddenly it feels very f- sort of false. Yeah. It feels like contrived. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably where we fell down. Yeah. But that's also probably because we weren't getting the content right. But it yeah. does, it does, it, it throws up a really interesting question. Yeah. Because as we move to more flexible working again and yeah. again and again, and people not having to declare where they're going to be mm-hmm. and when, mm-hmm. how do you then, it's one it's a challenge for people yeah. if they are working. And I'd say virtually. I mean, you know, you can run this with an information center on Excel or you can use it, uh, something like PowerPoint if you want to do that. Or you can use, um, cer- you know, certain project management platforms. You talked about things like Kanban walls. You can mm. use different things like that to create a virtual information center. And have dial-in conversations that can work pretty well for this as well. Mm. So even from a remote perspective, I'd almost argue if your team's fully remote, it's almost more important. Oh, I, would actually, I think the remote and the location is not the issue for me. I yeah. think it's more about time. Yeah. So, for example, we used to have people working late shifts and early shifts yeah. and things like that. And they were they were crucially important where it was operational. So, for example, in factory environments, yeah. it's absolutely without fail. You have to have a crossover stand-up meeting for 15 minutes yeah. in two shifts. Otherwise, you have no idea what's going on. Um, but it became much harder to do. It is harder. It's harder. Um, within the office environment where it felt less necessary. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So who should go to your huddle, right? So I've got a view. Guess what? I've got a view. I've got a view on all of it. Um, so in terms of who should go, everyone should go. Everyone who's in your team should go, regardless of you know what their task is, what their seniority is, what their grade is, what they're delivering. Everyone should get that 15-minute period to go to bed. Um, and I'd say, again, you know, team size is up to about 15. That should be the case. I'd say that it shouldn't just be limited to those people, though. The best huddles I've seen have um, have leadership drop in occasionally. Yeah. So, you know, a leader drop in maybe once a fortnight, maybe once a month. Yeah. Come along, be a guest at the huddle, listen, ask questions, join in. Great opportunity for them to build relationships and, and be visible. Um, other people that would come along would be, for example, project managers from another team might pop along to see how things are going. Um, and, and two other categories of people that I think are useful to attend are internal customers and internal suppliers from time to time. So if you have an internal customer who's, uh, who's you know, who you're providing things to, they might want to come along occasionally, build that relationship, learn how things are going for you, see a little bit of your challenges. And likewise, suppliers, they can pop in and see how are you doing, how is their input or how is the input that they're providing supporting you. So opening up your huddles to these guests is great. So the, the message in terms of who should attend is everybody who's the core of your team, yeah. so people in your team, and occasional guests, whether they add value. You see, I from a leadership perspective, I think it's brilliant. Absolutely. So the, the opportunity to be able to move around your teams and drop in, I think, is really powerful and much more effective than dropping into a full team meeting Absolutely. or to a full project planning session. It's, it's far more effective than taking a sort of barometer of where everyone is. It really is. Um, so, yeah, I totally get that. I think yeah. that's a really positive yeah. thing. And I, it's something we, in event management, you see a lot of. Yeah. So um, you will often see very senior people who are 
sort of account owners at yeah. the top level dropping in. And if they drop into an event, they will drop in for the first 15 minutes yeah. meet, without question. That's yeah. when they're going to come because they want to see everyone. They want to see how they're interacting and get a sense of how engaged that team is that day. Yeah, it's, you, you can take a pulse of a team in 15 minutes yeah. and learn so much about the challenges they face and how they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what um, that's a discussion of what teams could benefit from huddles, all of them. That's what level should they be, all of them. That's who should attend, everybody. So there we go. You get a little bit of a theme around my views on this. Um, Anyone would think you like huddles. <laughs> it's funny. I, I think they're great. I really do think they're great. I, I agree with your point that they can be poor, but when they are good, I think they're excellent. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't work without them again, is what I'd say. So, they can be dreadful, but they can be good. So, so what makes a good huddle, right? So I've got six points that I think are important. And of course, they're all slightly different. Team dynamics are always slightly different. But I've got six points that I think, if you get right, can, can help create a really good huddle for you. So one of the first ones is that they're short. So they shouldn't be longer than 15 minutes. Um, they, you know, they could be as brief maybe as 12 minutes, but you know, they really should be almost exactly 15 minutes on the next. Um, and they, they just can't overrun. You need that sort of time intensity to, to keep the pace and energy. And they're about starting the day well or energizing your team. So pace and energy and enthusiasm are key. Um, to help all of that, point two, they need to be well chaired. If you have a chair who's uh, unclear, unstructured, unconfident, or doesn't control the group, then it can be bad. Um, so what you need to do is you need to ensure that the people chairing your huddles have the ability and the knowledge and the confidence to chair it well. And with that, they need to have a good structure around what's the agenda. So for me, that's that good information center um, so that they can do it. I would say that the best huddles I've seen actually have the chair rotating amongst the team members, regardless of level, right? So the most junior people in that team should be chairing team huddles where they are asking questions and challenging their leadership. And there's something really powerful about giving people permission to do that. It's a great equalizer and a relationship builder in there. Um, and the chairs need to be prepared um, and they need to be empowered to do a good job as well. So point two is well chaired. Point three is fixed. Your point around they don't happen all the time. Well, if they don't happen all the time, they're not going to be good. So they need to be fixed. They need to be part of your routine. They should take place every day. They should take place at the same time every day. They should follow almost exactly the same structure every day. They should have almost exactly the same people there every day. Um, and they should get to the stage where they just feel second nature to you. And if they're fixed like that, they're more likely to be good. Point four then is mandatory and inclusive. So mandatory is a bit of a harsh word. It's a bit negative. Uh, this is maybe why I shoved inclusive on there as well. Um, but <laughs> they should be attended by everybody in the team. And you should structure your other meetings to leave space to attend your huddles. Um, and that's really the mandatory point. The, the thing around inclusive is that I guess there's two bits to it. One, for everybody who attends, they need to be included within that meeting. So everybody needs to have something relevant for them in that topic of conversation. Everyone should have an opportunity to speak. Everyone should be, you know, looked at. Everyone should be asked, how are they feeling? Everyone should have an opportunity to raise their concerns and really genuinely be included. Um, so that's for all your attendees. But you should also be inclusive in terms of allowing people who aren't core members of your team to attend. So we talked about customers, suppliers, leaders. So you should have that welcoming environment that supports other people to attend as well. So that was point four. Point five is focused, the mighty F for focused. 
So good huddles are fairly fast. They're focused. They've got the energy that goes with that. Um, Fact-based, on the on point, on the money, um, adding value all the way through, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so the pace is fast and, and things like unhelpful side conversations are challenged. If somebody's dithering, that's a British word, dithering, you know, just sort of windbagging along, um, not really saying anything to the point, as I'm doing right now. I think that's an excellent demonstration of what dithering yeah. is, almost intentional. Um, anyway, if somebody's dithering, then then that's an unhelpful conversation. It doesn't add value. So you need to challenge that. You need to make sure that the, the pace is fast and that the content is focused and helpful. Uh, and the last thing is that they should be engaging. So good huddles engage everyone who attends. Um, as I said, but, you know, it should be uh, interesting. It should be relevant. Uh, the pace should carry people along and people should feel included in it. So for me, that list again is short, well-chaired, fixed, mandatory or inclusive, focused and engaging. And I think if you get that right, and a lot of that is built on the underlying information center and content, if you get that right, then you'll have a good huddle. Yeah, I think, and I think um, where my experience has been positive, those are all true. The only, the only thing, and it's not one of your six, but it's mm. an underlying point is, I would, uh, I would argue that rotating chairs don't always work. Depends on the split of seniority that you've got and the type of information. So, for example, going back yeah. to event management, uh, we used to have three morning meetings that were all somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes long. Yeah. And the first one was with the three most senior people on site. Uh, and then we would split into our teams and we would chair our meetings. Yeah. And that's because we knew what the issues were of the day. Yeah. So we knew how to structure that agenda and also we were the ones who prepared for it the most. Um, and then we would split into our teams and then those teams would split and go to their teams. Yeah. And th that cascades all the way down to the junior volunteers. And it's just, it's that nature of working with people uh, who maybe don't have, when health and safety is, is a significant part of your role, no. um, what we found is the most important thing were that people were chairing their own teams. Because that's about developing leadership for us in quite inexperienced leaders. Yeah. So I think it does depend on sure. the urgency of information. But certainly giving people the tools to chair those meetings. It was really interesting after the first year we introduced it formally the, the second year the first thing we did in our leadership training with our volunteers was like right we're going to show you how to run a meeting yeah yeah, yeah. You you need to understand yeah yeah people don't know how to run how simple and, and actually you know keeping it to 15 minutes is really hard it's hard and like, you've got to be ruthless with people absolute discipline of mm -hmm. and, and actually it liberates you so if you really know that actually that is a hard deadline and it's a hard deadline in the sense that trucks are going to start rolling through a door yeah it's amazing how quickly people go, dude, shush. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone's okay with that because yeah. they understand where they're trying yeah. to get to. And it's that shared understanding of how the meeting works and the rules that are really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's cr crucial. It's that shared understanding. Yeah. yeah. So so we'll, we'll touch on um, a little bit of that in a minute uh, because next we're going to talk about how to introduce these. And one of those, one of the points on how to introduce it is about trying to create that shared understanding. So... And what I've done with this is I've just written down seven points that I think if you follow, loosely speaking, you'll be able to set up a good huddle. Um, and of course, you should research, do a little bit more. But if you, if you focus on these, it's a really good start for you. I mentioned it earlier. Um, point one, though, get your team together and work out what information is important to you as a team to assess your performance on a daily basis. Right. So for your conversation to be effective, it needs to talk about something useful and relevant. 
So stage one, work out what is that useful and relevant information. Um, and once you've got that, you're in a good starting point. Point two then is once you've decided what that information is, build it into an information center. <clears throat> so that can be you know, on, on a whiteboard or a Kanban board or something like that, or it can be virtually, as we talked about, in a shared document. But structure that information in such a way that you can run through it um, in the same way every day. So, you know, it flows from the beginning to the end. And think of that information as an agenda. That's a fixed agenda for you that you want to cover every day. So you might want to start with something along the lines of, are there any key urgent communications? So every day, point one, what are key um, communications and escalations that we need to go through? Anything? No? Okay, let's move on from that. Maybe point two might be, let's have a really quick look at the uh, deliverables for today. What do we need to get out the door today? Well, let's check that part two. Part three might be, let's do a quick roundtable. Are there any issues? Is anyone aware of any issues today that we need to be aware of? That might be part three. You know, things like that are the types of things that might help. And you might want to finish up by having, say, a check-in and saying, how is everybody feeling? We're going to just do a pulse check on how people are doing. And that could be your checkout point. So having that, that kind of structured information like that would be an excellent second point for you. So point one, work out your information. Point two, structure it in an agenda format in an in a information center. Um, actually, point three is structure it in a useful basis for conversation. I've kind of muddled myself up there. Um, point four then, I'd say for each one of those sections that you, you bundle together in your information center, work out somebody in your team to own it. And then that person's accountable for making sure that that section is updated before the meeting. So if for me, uh, I'm given the ownership of um, you know, uh, key deliverables for today. I'll own that little section of the information center. And every day I need to go around and make sure that I've got the right information in there before we start or that I've chased people to say, look, have you updated this section? So each bit has an owner, which helps make sure that um, when you actually get around to speaking about the information that it's up to date and you have conversations about the content as opposed to about who's going to update it. So those are the first four sections. So um, work out what information you need. Build an information center. Ensure the information center is structured in a way that fits uh, a useful conversation, like an agenda. Um, and then point four is get an owner for each section. So for me, the first four bits are really around the content. Yeah, and I, I think I think one of the things I would really urge people if they're thinking about going into this is look at how you already manage your work. Yeah. So for um, for us, when it did work, it was always because we already had a really clear understanding of who was responsible for what, how right. it was managed and how it was tracked and shared. Yeah. And therefore the huddle was really straightforward because it was literally saying, you know that sheet you've already got. So for example, when we mm -hmm. work in an event, we, everyone used to have the same template yeah. and they would have a, a 15 minute diary on the left, which would be effectively the whole day mapped out in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an and outlook they, Sheet. Sorry, like a printout from Outlook that runs your diary. Yeah, but it was yeah, it's yeah, it pasted on one side of the page, yeah. and then on the right hand side they had nine categories, and those sure. nine categories were things I need to tell my team, Great. big things happening, risks today, Great. and it was nine things. And because we had that structure, the huddles were really easy because yeah. everyone had already done their prep, yeah. which was which was going to be their day, and they would come, and we would literally move through the nine things, and yeah. we would be like, right, has anyone got any issues today? Has anyone got any risks today? Yeah, yeah. Who's got guests? Yep. Who's got problems? Who thinks they're not going to have enough volunteers? Perfect. And and what what it that meant like was a great it was it was really great. And, and it, it becomes was, routine and it's effective. And I so I, the one thing I would say is when if you're the person who's trying to introduce huddles before you go in and introduce them, go talk to your teams, particularly if you don't work closely with them on a day to day basis. Go talk to them about how they already manage their work. Yeah, 
because actually they may already have something that you can start with and then totally. build structure. And the more familiar the language is to that team and the more bespoke you can be to the way that team works, the more likelihood they're going to stick. Yeah, it's got to, it's got to align with that team's objectives. Yeah. I mean, it's all about helping them reach their goal. Okay, so in terms of how to introduce them, the first four points are all about that information. And then that leads us to another three, leads us to another three points, the last three points on how to introduce them. So point five is get your team together and agree how you're going to huddle, right? So you need to create the common language, the common rules. It's sort of a ceremony. Everybody needs to know how to take part in that ceremony. And the way I'd recommend doing that is to create something like a team contract or a terms of reference that everybody in your team contributes to. You know, you sort of co-create this uh, way of working. Um, and in that, you document things like, well, when exactly are we going to huddle? How are we going to do it? Who's going to be there? What are we going to cover? Who's going to lead it? What are the behaviors? What's it okay to say if somebody talks too much? What's it okay to say if somebody is being rude to somebody else? What's it okay to say if um, somebody's not prepared for the huddle? You know, what, how do you deal with the challenges that you'll face? And if you co-create that document uh, that defines how you deal with those issues and how you work through the huddle, then it gives everybody license to to challenge each other and, and hold each other to account, which is really helpful, as well as being a useful tool for educating people in that process. Um, and that's something that you touched on earlier, but that, that sort of contract or terms of reference, I think, is really important. And it's a living document, right? You've done it. If it doesn't work, you go back and you amend it. But that's a, a really excellent um, point to really get to the start of the, the process. And once you've done that, then stage six is to actually start huddling. So you've got your structured information. You've got your agreed ways of working. So what's next? Well, you just have to give it a go. You know, you need to get up there. You've got, you know, a, um, a schedule of who's going to chair and you get up and you just do it. You start the conversation. You run it every day. You do it for a week. Um, I'd recommend the first time you're doing it, at the end of each of your sessions, leave yourself five minutes to give yourself feedback. Um, and I'd say do feedback in two ways. So you've got feedback for the chair, right? So how could the chair have done a better job? But you've also got feedback for the participants. How could you have been a better participant? You know, could you have listened more attentively? Could you have been more prepared? Could you have been more enthusiastic? Whatever it happens to be, feedback on both of those sides to work out what's worked well and what hasn't and take those lessons in and maybe readdress your, your terms of reference or maybe just use it as learning points for your huddle. So that's point six. Um, and then point seven is as you go through, make sure that you continue to update and change your information center and your huddle approach based on that feedback. So continue to iterate. Keep trying new things. Keep changing it. Um, it'll take weeks normally to get it right. We'd say, to, in my experience, getting teams to the stage where they're huddling well on a routine basis is probably five to six weeks of daily huddling. It really becomes a routine. So don't give up. Stick at it. Um, have a determination to keep trying and, and keep making it better. Um, but you'd get there. So for me, that's like a seven-point approach to trying to introduce these things. If you want to be really brave on the feedback piece, um, what you can do is you can maybe film them. It's really quite interesting to film and have people feedback on their own contributions when they filmed it. That's a really powerful tool. Um, and another thing that might be worth doing if you're looking at rotation uh, of chairs is to, to coach people through that chairing process to make sure they're better. So what do you think? Do you think with that list of seven points, you'd be able to think about giving it a go? I don't know. That's, a, that's literally what I've been oh, Molly going Ever. through as I've been listening to you is how would teams that I've worked with in the past have responded to it? Because it's something I really wanted to do in a team about two years ago. Yeah. And I wanted to do it virtually because we were all in different places and I wanted to have 15 minutes in the morning where we all just touched base. And I think 
on reflection, firstly, there wasn't a deliberate enough approach. Secondly, I don't think we had a clear enough shared structure of how we approached our work that it was shareable. Yeah. Um, I do think there is a challenge when you're working with small organisations and everyone does jobs that are so different that yeah. it feels unnecessary yeah because how how there's no need for us to work together during the day so why do we need it maybe once a week yeah um and then it doesn't feel like a huddle because no it's, week, a, it's a weekly meeting it's, it's got to be more yeah um i think the concept of get and the other thing that i think is really interesting is i'm not sure and this may well be down to my own leadership skills and lack of i'm not sure that i could convince any team that i've worked with thus far to stick with something they didn't feel was working for six weeks and I think that would be really interesting I don't I don't I don't I don't know is it I really don't know because if it if it takes that long well so I think it takes that long to get it so that it's fixed yeah so so when we roll it out you know we when I brought them out in the past I've tended to use whiteboards sort of large whiteboards that people use and we it, we give them things like you know pens and we give them like gridding tape so they can map up interesting yeah. spaces on there and all that kind of stuff and what we say is don't get excited and use any of that stuff now right wait until you know three four weeks wait yeah. until you've got a sense and then you can make it permanent so teams start to feel benefits early but they don't start to have a settled structure and approach until they're about six weeks in yeah, I don't. I, I honestly, I, I kind of wish I had a team that I could go and try it on, uh, which I don't at the moment. Yeah, we could start huddling. We could do a two-person virtual we could do huddle. Do a two-person virtual <laughs> huddle. I would be up for that. Yeah, but okay, I do. Yeah. I think. Um, I think the teams that I have managed have been quite resistant to anything that they don't feel has a purpose. Yeah. And so the question I always ask myself when I introduce stuff, and, and we did loads of fun stuff and loads of communication stuff, some worked, some didn't. Yeah. Um, but the question is, is, what is the problem it's trying to solve? Mm. And I think when you are a five-man organisation in one room and you are really open with conversations on the phone, yeah. everyone knows what's going on anyway. And so it's, it's harder to make them structure. Yeah. I, I totally get but that. But I doesn't. I don't. I, I don't know. I, honestly, I'm genuinely sitting here thinking. Yeah, why I can did tell you're kind of like thinking about it. It's you? because that same team is so good at huddling in operational time. Yeah. So we're talking about the same group of people, right? We're talking yeah. about six people who, when we are running events, as it, it the daily the daily conversations in the morning for five minutes, huddle, stand up meetings, whatever you want to call yeah, them, yeah, yeah. were so effective. And I wonder if there's something around the immediacy and the urgency that made that very same thing feels so different in the office when we don't have an event that week. Potentially. That made people go, well, why are we doing it? Because we do it because of this. I don't know. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's got me perplexed. Yeah. Well, I'd say it's worth thinking about it. It sounds like... Uh, do you know what? I'm genuinely going to ask. Cause I'm going to ask a couple of my old team about yeah, it. Yeah, find out. I'm curious as to how they would perceive that question. Yeah. In fact, some of them listen to this, so maybe they can let me know. Yeah, yeah. You can tweet us at The Wow Podcast with any questions. Yeah, you or... know who you are. <laughs> So you can tweet us at the Wild Podcast and tell us why why it worked operationally but not in the office time. Um, and your point around what are the, what are the challenges? You know, like what's the why? What what is the problem we're trying to solve? Mm. And I think there are a whole string of problems that can be solved um, through huddles or stand-up meetings, ranging from communication and performance-related things around efficiency of delivery, timeliness of problem sol uh, spotting, and stuff like that. Um, so so there's harder deliverables, but I also think there excellent at solving softer things around you know engagement type things like i feel listened to i feel my voice counts um i feel that we live in a or we work in a, 
in a fairly non-hierarchical organization. I feel empowered in my role. So all those types of softer things really are addressed through those. So again, it, it depends, and I would say. And there's a huge piece around learning and development, right? Yeah. Because the more you're exposed to someone, your manager's daily work, yeah. the more you've got a chance of understanding what it takes to do and that no role. time pressures. And, and side roles and moving, you know, course, all yeah. of those things. And I think that's, I think that ability to empathize with other members of your team is really crucial. And certainly that's one of the things when they did work for us, it yeah. was huge. Why is why is my boss not available to me at a time that is super critical and I've told them? Yeah. Well, I know it's because they've got a member of parliament on site between 12 and 2. So they're probably yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. really difficult to get hold of. <laughs> they're not got checking their radio their phone in, or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and really, really honest conversations like that of, okay, I'm going to go look for someone else to help me because she yeah. ain't around. Yeah. Um, and certainly all of that soft stuff around trust and around mm. honesty and openness about what I'm doing. Yeah. Certainly as a manager, mm -hmm. was huge because mm -hmm. people knew my diary, right? They'd yeah. seen it. I'd shown them. I'd been like, yeah. here's my day. And yeah. they also, what was brilliant, that was a great conversation. I used to really try and keep meetings tight. Yeah. And uh, one of my team went off and ran her own organisation team of mm -hmm. events in another country. And apparently she said to one, she was, she was chatting to one of our um, other team members and then we've all left the organisation I finally get why Jane really wanted to finish meetings quickly <laughs> there's so much to do yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like yeah welcome to that's it. I really want 15 minute meetings yeah alright so that's a little bit around how you can introduce film obviously you can find stuff in other places that'll help you but I would say give it a go um, we've got two more bits of research and then we'll uh, we'll move on to list of the week for you so coming up Next, do, 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 is how do you chair one well, right? Chairing's a really important thing. So I've got six points around chairing that I think help make that, that meeting fun. So one, I, you know, I'm starting again with that rotation point. I understand that it doesn't work in, in all areas, but I really think rotating your lead is, is helpful. I think um, each person comes in on a, I'd recommend a weekly basis. They bring some freshness, a different perspective, a different personality, a different style. And with that, it just keeps it a little bit fresher. It makes the start of the week slightly clunky, but they grow over the week. And I think it's just, it, it freshens it up, um, as well as the other points that I talked about around hierarchy and empowerment and relationship building and, and all the development that comes with that. So for me, rotating is great if you can do it. Um, point two, the chair needs to prepare. Rhymes. Didn't know that was going to happen. That's good. Um, so the, the, the chair should uh, prepare to leave the huddle. Um, they should make sure that they've reviewed any information on the information center. They're aware of any indicators or flags up there. They know where the focus of the conversation should be that day. They know about the flow of a conversation that day. And they're in a position to get to the point and make, the, make sure the meeting's focused. If nothing else, please, can they have read the day before's? Absolutely, yeah. Or checked or even had a mental check-in on what happened the day before because that is the single most annoying thing. Yeah, people don't meetings. know where you are. Yeah. They, they start, so, didn't we have this conversation yesterday? Yeah. Um, and that actually really discourages people. Of course, like, it, it becomes a waste of time. Well, it becomes a completely negated conversation yesterday. Yeah. And it's, I've seen it consistently with managers who are too busy and overstretched and weren't really listening yesterday. Yeah. And then they bring it up again. Yeah. And, and, like, oh, and they're not paying attention. Agreed. Um, the third thing that chairs can bring is focus and energy. So we talked about that in terms of what makes a good huddle, but a lot of that comes from the chair. So they bring energy, things like their body language. Uh, even virtually, if you're on a camera, your body language makes a difference. You bring that focus, you bring that energy, you bring your enthusiasm, um, and, and that'll help take your team with you and create a sense of urgency to some extent. 
Uh, and, and with that comes the, the need to focus on facts, to focus on data, metrics, key points, things that drive conversation towards decisions and outcomes and actions um, and communication uh, in a decisive way. So focus and energy is in third place. Uh, number four, I would say, is challenge. So the person chairing needs to have the confidence and permission of a group to challenge others for both their behaviours but also their contribution. So they need to be able to interrogate what people are saying to some extent and say, okay, well, you know, is there a problem with that? What next? How are you going to solve that? What's the one key thing you can do today? How can somebody else in this team today help you solve that problem? For me, that's, that's the quick question. That's the yeah. single key question always. All of those are useful. Yeah. But the, what do you want from the people standing here in front of you yeah. that will change yeah. the challenge? Yeah. Will influence it, I think. And I think that's the question that you have to teach people to say and look. It's a very vis visible, physical thing, whether you're online or whether you're yeah. a real person. Looking at everybody going, because it's not just about that person. Mm -hmm. It's about looking at the others going, you all know you could do something. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do today? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do we do today? Um, so I think that's really good, uh, is the point around challenge. The next point, so point five, is around being inclusive. So the chair needs to look everybody in the eye. The, the chair needs to you know, interact with everybody individually. They need to use their voice to welcome them into the conversation. If you chair, chair a meeting well like this, then everybody should have spoken in that meeting. If everybody hasn't spoken, then you've not done your job right, or your huddle structured in a way. That's yeah, not and I think I think the other thing I would say is that um, we're not all at our best every single minute of the day. No, and we're not. if everyone assumes they're going to have to speak, they tend to be a lot more focused on what's going on. It's true. Um, but they get used to it every time. So after six weeks, you just you got to do it. Yeah, and but it also means that if they're thinking I'm feeling less than energetic today, the day the bit you don't want them to dip don't, to dip on is the huddle, yeah. right? So if everyone's expecting. I would also change up the order. So my big thing was always changing up the order people spoke. Yeah. Just just so that people pay attention to each other. Yeah, it's Because helpful. sometimes people, if they're expected to say something, will check in and then check out. So yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I've done my bit, particularly certain personality types, I find. Personality go. traits, maybe. <laughs> traits, yeah. And then for me, the point six, the last of the points around chairing that I think is important is around having fun. You know, so just bring a bit of fun, bring a bit of humour. Don't take yourself too seriously. It's important. But you can balance, you know, the, the points around focus and energy and drive with having some fun as well. You know, you've got important stuff to do, but you can have a bit of a giggle along the way if you wanted to do that. So there are different ways that you can do that. Um, but I, I would I would really try and make them fun and engaging. If people have fun being there, then, you know, they're more likely to pay attention and be engaged. So that, those are some tips around how to chair well. Um, what do you think? Should we pop straight on to how you know when you're getting it right? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think that's a really good reflection of, of how chairing can be approached uh, to create that. And I think I think that challenge concept has to be has to be critical around time. Yeah, that's the one thing I would yeah. just say on that. Yeah, I think I think as a chair, you have failed if you've gone more than a couple of minutes over. What oh, yeah, yeah. On the, on, because on that's the, the whole principle. Of on it. the second, you've got to cut it. On the second, yeah. otherwise people will always drift. Just ruthlessness with that one. Um, and you make it fun. So we used to have a countdown clock. Yeah. So we had the recording on our phone. Oh, the yeah, countdown yeah, clock, yeah, yeah. And if people were drifting, the countdown clock would get turned on. And mm -hmm. you have to do it, do it. For those of you who are not in Britain, there's a TV show that's been running 40 years. It's got a clock on it and it goes, do 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 pow. Yeah. And that's the end of it. And everybody in Britain knows yeah, that. Yeah, everyone time. knows it. Um, cool. So how will you know when your huddles are going right? How will you know when you're doing a pretty good job? Well, 
I've just got a list of things to think about, really. Um, things to think about are, <laughs> based on what we've just said, two bits here uh, that are important. One, you're sticking to your agenda, so you're not going off topic. Two, you're finishing on time, and like really on time. Um, your team is committed to the process and seeing value in it. Huddles are energetic and enthusiastic. Everyone is being included and inclusive. Your communications are accurate, brief, and clear. That's the ABC of communication. I love that. I didn't, I've never heard that oh, yeah. I love it. Accuracy, brevity, clarity, ABC. Um, the team's quite decisive. Uh, you, you're driving conversations in your huddles towards actions. Everyone actually owns their actions. Team members are having fun in the huddles. People are being pragmatic, and, and you're changing your huddles so that it works for you as a team. Your team feel confident, empowered, and not overly hierarchical. People generally want to go to the huddles. Um, people feel like they've missed out if they've not been to a huddle. And for me, one of the real takeaways is that, you know, if you're doing it well, people leave them knowing what they need to do to have had a good day that day, right? So they know yeah. what that future is for them over the day and that certainty. And potentially what they can do to help others. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a team, I guess, yeah, yeah. what you can do, like them and the team. Um, just on the you're finishing on time one. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That is how you know how you, One of the massive reasons you know you're getting it right. If you're not finishing on time, just something to say. If you're either trying to cover too much, yeah. you're not being tough enough as a chair to shut yeah. people down, or you don't have real clarity on why it's happening and you've got confused and drifting somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important. If you're not sticking to time, don't just be like, oh, we're no good at this. Look back and go, why are we not sticking to time? What is happening in those meetings? And I would echo what James said. Film it or record it. It is... It's creepy, it but great. It is creepy as anything. Yeah. But my word, we watch two and you'll know. Yeah, it's I funny, imagine. isn't it? Um, so I'm going to jump straight onto the list of the week, which is 10 points, 10 common challenges that teams face and how to overcome them. And interestingly, do you know what number one is? Oh, let me guess, James. <laughs> number one is keeping to time. Um, so yeah, I think we've covered a bit of that. Uh, the other thing I'd say is two things you can do to help you keep the time. One is you can get an actual clock and just stick your clock up either on your physical board or have a, a countdown clock on your information center. And then people just know it just stays and, and keeps people's mind on point. And the other thing I'd say is where teams have struggled in the past, we've introduced a role which is a timekeeper. And that timekeeper is there in the huddle, but they say five minutes left, three minutes left, Two minutes left, one minute left, 30 seconds left. Should you just not end up with everyone shouting at each other? They just get better the next day, right? I mean, you know. Okay. So, I mean, that's something that we've done in the past. And, and that's really helpful to to speed people along. Mm -hmm. Or they might say, guys, we're four minutes in. We're still on the introduction. We should be on section three. We need to speed this up. And and that timekeeper role can be helpful. Um, so that's challenge number one. Challenge number two, helping more junior people feel confident. Um, and then in terms of solution, we flagged up a couple bits on this. Um, so I'd said you can invite them into a conversation and you can do some coaching around them. What's your experience of that one around helping, I guess, more junior or quieter um, voices? So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we, we did introduce some training into our general leadership yeah. training that helped. Um, I think it helps that everyone does it. Uh, oh. When we do it, everyone does it. And, yeah. everyone's, and it's just, it's such a fabric of our day mm -hmm. that... Um, they kind of, they see that as that's going to be a thing they're going to be asked to do. We prep them properly, though. Good. So there's a big thing about 
this is going to, when you're on site, you are going to be expected to lead your bit. So make sure you know what the three things are that you're going to say. Yeah. Um, we always tell them it's three things, even though it's not for everybody. Yeah. Because it helps structure it. Um, we give them an example of what someone said in that role before. Mm-hmm. So if they're new to a role, we will quite often say, the sorts of thing this role will quite often say in a huddle might right. be, these are the number of people on site, uh, this is the thing you're most scared about, and this is the thing you're most excited about. And right. it, even if it's as simple as that, it allows them to not get a wrong answer, right? Let's them see the future. And yeah, and say, so for us, we do lots of stuff around nerves and excitement because in right. events, it, it, we find that that flags up for us. So if someone tells us what they're most scared about, it's usually because they've either not felt prepped for it or something's likely to go wrong. Yeah. So that's that's the moment we yeah, show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They think it's because we like them and we're worried about them being worried. In reality, we're sitting there going, a what's going to go horribly wrong today? Yeah. <laughs> What about on the flip side of that? So the next point I had, point number three, was, you know, we've talked about helping junior people or junior people feel confident to speak. What about getting senior people to actually pay attention and listen and not, you know, talk over others? Have you? Okay, so it's controversial. What about you? What about people so getting you to there's, stop? There's, and a, there's a massive controversy around this because I had huge problems uh, with this with a person who used to manage me years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't let him come. All right, okay. Because actually it was disruptive yeah. and it worked better without him. Um, with me, uh, it's the rules. It's the rules. As sure. long as the rules are there and the rules are up there and everyone feels... So I used to say to people, you call me out, right? Mm-hmm. If I go over, you give me a nudge. You tell me. You say, yeah. Jane, we're moving on. I'm not... I have no ego about this. Yeah. You need to... You need. It's your job to keep me in check as much. And I think um, the hardest bit, though, is when... Leaders either don't recognise it or don't aren't aware of it. Yeah. You know, the joy is I, I speak so much I know it's a problem. Um, but uh, the other thing was that people people who don't the, the the reason we would not let senior leaders come sometimes would be because they didn't understand the urgency of everyone else's roles. That's yeah. the honest answer. You know, they're yeah. running a strategic level organisation and they're coming into something that's highly operational and they just don't have a sense of what it what what a yeah. minute means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the gates open at 6.30, understand. So we used to let them come watch, but quite often they wouldn't They yeah. wouldn't contribute. And that makes sense in some of If we had moments. a minute, I might leave them to have a minute to, like, do motivation and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Team change. That's champ. horrible, but that is, that is, this is way back when, this is like 20 years ago. Yeah. So, so the, the bits that we had in the notes about getting more uh, senior people to listen, I had a couple of things. You touched on rules, so I think rules is there. I think speaking to them one-to-one. Um, having them understand, you know, the, the importance of stuff. And something that we, we brought in in some areas is a bit of a silly thing was something like a, a yellow card. So, yeah. you know, people around the huddle would have a yellow card. And if somebody's just speaking too much or off topic or something, you don't even need to speak to them. You can just show them a yellow card and they'll yeah. be like, oh, right, okay, I know, I better shut up. Um, I'm going to rattle through a few of these fairly quickly now. Uh, getting leaders to step away from leading. Um, you know, people assume always that the leader, that's their role. So rotating the chair helps with that. And if somebody's not there, if a leader's not there, you start anyway. You start your huddle on time and you just carry on. If a leader's not there, you just And run. that is absolutely critical to all of this. It doesn't matter who's in the room. Yeah. You start. If you're on your own, start talking on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean it, I mean it genuinely. But because, to start the clock running. Then. Because actually, um, that's the only way that those things become effective. Yeah. The meeting has to be more important than any individual. Totally true. Great way to phrase it. Um, next challenge, avoiding side conversations. So again, you've got your ways of working. You need to make sure that everybody's empowered to call them out and say, sorry, can you take that offline? And if that, if you introduce some common language like that, that can be helpful. So, so we had a slightly different way of doing it. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, 
the minute someone else talked, other than the person talking, everyone else had to go silent, including the person talking, and it's horrific. Yeah, okay. It is so awkward. And it takes a little... Yeah, yeah. It takes it's a little time like for people to realise, right? Yeah. So it wastes time, but it happens maybe twice in a week with the same team, and that's it. Yeah. Because people are so uncomfortable when they've got their entire team looking at them going... What are you doing? No, you're not saying anything. You're just oh, looking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just looking at them, like... And yeah. silence is huge. Yeah, it's powerful. Um, so yeah, that's how we used to deal with it. That's good. That's a good. Well, time. I'm not sure if it was, but it worked. <laughs> if it it worked. definitely worked. Worked yeah. for me. Yeah. Stop me. Um, next one: having your information center up to date, making sure it's up to date. So things you can do. Um, the chair needs to review in advance, and some people have introduced sort of rewards or penalties. So some people have said, you know, if your section's not up to date, you've got to stick, you know, fifty pence or whatever currency you want in a jar. And then once we get the jar full, we'll buy, you know, breakfast for the team or something like that as a way to, to recycle that and incentivize good behaviors. Um, keeping blame out of conversations is an important thing. Uh, so they can, you know, under time pressure, become a bit more acrimonious. So with that, making sure that you focus on your ways of working and always looking towards solutions. So it's solution-oriented, not retrospective and blame-oriented. So there's some solutions there. Um, <laughs> stopping windbags from talking, you know, the people who aren't shut up. Um, how do you do that? Well, we talked about the yellow cards. We talked about um, some common language and expectations and rules uh, and also using humor. So a, a little bit of gentle mocking for people can help bring them back online. Oh, there Jane goes again. <laughs> you know, <what? laughs> well, that's really effective. I would also say that um, we use numerics a lot. Okay. I only want to hear about your three biggest challenges. If it's that big and it's a fourth, come see me afterwards. Sure. No one ever did. Yeah. Because actually then there are never three things each day that are that big a deal. Yeah. And if they are, we probably already know about them and we're having a private yeah. conversation because yeah. it works over. Yeah. Over, uh, overloaded. Yeah. So using metrics or even, uh, so one of the other things we always used to do is go around in circles um, until we ran out of time. Okay. So everyone's allowed to say one thing. Oh, uh, one thing. Then you go around and yeah. then second thing and a third thing. Fine. Because it puts really good pressure on people to speak quickly so everyone gets to go at least once. Yeah. Cool. So then the last two challenges that we had are one, um, moving complicated conversations offline. So if something starts and it's a valid conversation, but it's not for the benefit of everybody, how do you take that away? Well, again, introducing um, common language like, you know, giving the chair permission to say that feels like an offline conversation. And then that can be a set of language that helps people realize, yes, we'll pick up later. And, and with that is your set guidance and your rules. So again, back to your terms of reference or contract around. Yeah, and I would say that's the really big thing. You know, you mentioned about having things in design on a white yeah. place or anything. Um, we used to have uh, in our categories stuff for weekly meeting, yeah. stuff Great. for boss, and stuff for we're not sure where it goes. Yeah. And so anything that came up, people would be like, and you were allowed to suggest to each other. Sure. So someone would go, oh, do you want to put that on weekly meeting? And it Great. just got shelved straight Great. away. Great. Yeah, car park. Do you want to put that in the car park? Yeah, we had a car park. Yeah. Car park was actually not what it was meant to be. Okay. It ended up being, I don't really know what we do about yeah. this, Jane. Can you figure out and come back to us? Yeah, well, that'll do. Um, and then the very last point was around balancing effectiveness and fun. And that the solution is with a bit of practice, but it might be worth bringing in a daily piece of fun. So like a fixed bit of fun every day. The chair has to bring a bit of fun every day. Yeah. Something like that. You know, people struggle a bit with fun. But they get over themselves. Or maybe that's a British thing. I don't, we've got people listening who aren't in Britain. British people struggle with letting their hair down. No, we don't. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. It's about, and, it, and ironically, the phrase is from an American sitcom and it really helps. So Monica talks in Friends about uh, organised fun. Yes, okay. Right? The British are really uncomfortable with organised yeah, fun, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We love fun. 
we're very uncomfortable with the word. Yes. And we're very, so, for example, James put, showed me the slides and it's got funnel over them. <laughs> and my first response was, ooh, I tend to phrase that as bring personality. Yeah. And that is true because I used to work with lots of people who were um, retired. Yeah. They were, had, had very serious jobs. And fun was a word that was the antithesis of, you know, whatever they serious were doing. Serious professional. Well, serious health and safety professionals and stuff like that. And so we but used to talk so to... you can so do both, right? You can, but it's about how you present it yeah, and project yeah, yeah. it. So for us, we, we used to introduce it as... Uh, firstly, we, we used to do a couple of things. One is the junior people were responsible for that bit quite often. Yeah. So they had to be nice to them because they were junior and otherwise yeah. they'd look like... Mean. Mean. Grinch. Mean. Grinches, yeah. exactly. So that was always a thing. Uh, so that was one way we did it. And then um, also we did the opposite of... We tried introducing a fun section and everyone cringed because we're British. So instead, it, we A, didn't refer to fun, and also it was just, it, we kind of did it through things like the yellow card and the taking yeah. a, a tip to leaders, if you ever want to introduce fun and you're not sure, use yourself as the joke. Yeah, It's really helpful. So, for example, my talking was mm. a thing that I introduced with the buzzer system yeah. that people were allowed to. Yeah, and, and you know, fun doesn't need to be humorous. So some teams uh, in more serious areas that I've worked with had, had have done things like quiz of a day, yeah, which is fun, but it's not you know. It's well, not anything frivolous. competitive works in sport, you see, because yeah. we're all fundamentally relatively competitive yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, because you're. Bad. So it doesn't have to be fun at all. In fact, it can be quite unfun. Yeah. But as long as there is a competitive element to it, that's absolutely fine. Right. I'm going to jump us on quickly to the uh, well to stories from a keyboard. So yep. that's research roundup. We've covered. Hopefully a lot of interesting stuff for you there. We've talked about the types of teams that benefit from huddles, what level they should be at, who should attend them, what makes a good one, how to introduce them to your team, how to chair them well, and how do you know when you've got your, your huddles working pretty well. And then we did our list of a week, which was common challenges once they're, uh, once you're actually in a huddle and, and how to solve some of those. Um, we're going to you know head towards the end now. Final straight, uh, looking at stories from a keyboard, and then final thoughts, top tips, and then checking out. So... Stories from a keyboard. I was going to jump in. I've got um, two. The one, really. Uh, pretty quick ones. As I said, I've rolled this out to many, many, many different teams or, or been part of a process. And the story is that pretty much every team or team leader I'll go and I'll sit down with and we'll start a conversation and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Just like that. Um, maybe a bit more professionally. And pretty much everybody sort of scratches their head and thinks and said, you know, I can see these are really great things. And I can see why for lots of teams they'd work really, really well. But our team's special, so I'm not sure it'll work for us, right? And that's nearly always the starting conversation. And then, you know, six, ten weeks later, people are saying, wow, that's great. You know, survey results are significantly improved. Feedback is great. Um, so, you know, that initial doubt should be overcome uh, and, and people benefit. So that's, that's one there. And then one other little one. Actually, no, I'll leave it there. All right, over to you. So my uh, my story from the keyboard is a pretty straightforward one, and it is about how effective they can be at taking the barometer of a team. Uh -huh. I had a particular experience. I was working on an event. It was a seven day event. Um, we used to have our huddles every morning, and uh, I had a situation. Uh, we we never had absenteeism problems because it's just not like that. People move sure. on site for a full week. They're present and they're there because it's the best thing they've ever done in their life. Cool. At that point. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to let each other down. We're, we're, we, we have incredible levels of engagement. Mm -hmm. The problem being, actually, that the, 
I stood in a huddle and it was only because of the huddle that I worked out that someone was so ill they should not be yeah, any okay. way out of bed because they didn't speak and mm-hmm. they had spoken for five days and they had spoken enthusiastically and excitedly and we got to them and they went, yeah, everything's fine and moved on. And I was like, what is yeah. wrong? So my my story is really one of, of learning and how mm-hmm. as a leader, instead of just passing information, you can absolutely, by being consistent every day, yeah. spot issues straight away yes, so can. and she got bundled into bed yeah and sent home and, and, you, and you just get to know your people you right? do really fast you get yeah. to know the rhythms of them and yeah. you get to know who's late and who's going to come running in with a sandwich yeah yeah yeah. and who's going to get you know the personalities and who's going to need to be chased their best, when they're not exactly such what they're worried about team. what they're excited about it's such people it's just what a I'm, human thing right it's just yeah it's so human and it's just this thing about being able to spot pattern this mm. this, this this incongruence in yeah. something happening that is so powerful. Um, and for me, that was a huge for two reasons. One, she, she would have been in charge of a very important, very, mm-hmm. very risky or high levels of risk uh, yeah. event that was going on. And I'm not sure she would have been on form. Um, and two is my responsibility is to look after her. And I, wouldn't yeah. know. I would not have known. Yeah, you wouldn't. Because no one else no, she wouldn't it. tell you. Yeah. And it wasn't because they wouldn't have spotted it because they don't care about it. It's because she was masking it. Yeah. She, didn't, she didn't want to be taken yeah. off. And you know, the, the, the moral of that story is she took half a day and she was fine. Yeah, but she might have lost the whole week. So. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So yeah, so that's one for me. Um, what about section six? Final thoughts and top tips. Have you got any specific tips or last thoughts you want to share with people? So my top tip with all of this stuff, um, and I, I'm, you know, I if I think about it a bit more, I might change it based on what you, you've said. But I think um, for me, the the biggest thing that I would say is, I might not use the fun word, but the if word, nothing else, no dropping the F-bomb. if nothing else, understand the power of a daily team conversation to motivate people. Yeah. Um, and not to motivate people through necessarily your words, but to motivate them through an understanding of a shared goal. And for me, that is the single, they, they create great information tools, they're great for communication, all of that. But, but for me, don't forget about that bit. Because if you can make your team feel good in 15 minutes a day, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, isn't that just so obvious? Such a great investment. Right? right? And so it's turn also a up good thing to, do. to leaders, please. Yeah. That's that's the moral of it. Understand what you're doing there and turn up and, and say those nice things. Yeah, it's powerful, right? Tell them they're a good team because yeah. not enough people tell their teams they're good. Yeah. So I guess my last uh, top tip, um, it's, it's a bit of a cop-out, it's just give it a go, you know? <laughs> I knew that just do it just do it but but I don't mean that exactly I mean like do 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 it but also you know what you might not get it right right away that's fine but just give it a go I mean you're, you're never going to make it um, happen well unless you try it all so give it a go if it doesn't work pick yourself up dust yourself off change it around a bit give it another go just keep trying it for a little while and, and you'll get there um, so that's my, my tip just you know give it a go you got nothing to lose Great. All right. Well, I think we've just about made it, Jane. I think we've uh, pretty much got Yeah, I'm sorry. The reason I'm quiet is because I'm still reflecting on, um, this is typical me, I'm now reflecting on whether I ever really gave him a go properly. And I don't know. I might come back to you on that one, James. I might come and ask you that later. We can chat all about it. Oh, no, I hate (laughs) it when I learn stuff from you. (laughs) It's mutual. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, time to wrap up? Time to wrap up, yeah. So, 
That was our little reflection on huddles and top tips for stand-ups and uh, scrums, whatever you want to call them, you know, getting people together for short, sharp meetings. We've got, as ever, a couple slides for you guys that are going to be up on the website. We actually started writing like a blog post for each episode as well, so there's a bit of information up there. Some people have actually been to look at it, so there we go, that's good. Um, and if you've got any questions, you can get in touch, drop us a note, email us, jj at thewildpodcast.org. Or, or you can tweet us at The Wild Podcast. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's done that so far, because it's yeah, really lovely. It's really nice. Like, it's proper lovely that someone's listening. Yeah, you're like, what? I keep saying thank you. <laughs> yeah. People go, people are texting me and go, yeah. oh, I've been listening to your podcast, it's really good. And I'm like, thanks. No, thanks. Thanks for up some of your time. Thumbs up, thank you. I know, yeah, so, so keep it going. Yeah, and keep tweeting, because we're really genuinely interested. A couple, We've had a couple of tweets pointing out, some inconsistencies, yeah, we've had yeah. tweets with questions, we've had tweets with comments, whatever you think about this stuff. If yeah, you, like me, are a little bit cynical about stand-up meetings, yeah, um, let us know. Let us know, because I'm interested to know uh, what people think and what they've learned from it and how they've turned it around. Yeah, and again, ideas for future subjects, anything like that, let us know. Um, obviously, you've been able to find this, but uh, we'll be on a range of different platforms to download from soon. might make life easier for people. Um, and then Twitter. At the Wild Podcast. That's probably our favorite. Oh, we've got a LinkedIn group. People can go to that. You can search for We're it. everywhere. We're, 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 we're even on Facebook now. Finally. Yeah, finally. Find us on Facebook. Yeah. Cool. All okay. Right. Well, I think that was a great sort of return to form after six weeks off, so I'm pleased we've done that. Well, I'm delighted because I came in thinking, ah, oh, huddles, stand-ups, is, is there enough for that? And now <laughs> I'm completely reconsidering my opinions. <laughs> That's what it's all okay. about. Cool. Well, we will see you next time then. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Bye. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.